in the message time with a little bit of a game. So uh, I want to direct your attention to the screen. I'm going to show you, I think, 10 pictures of creatures, of images here. And I want you to identify them correctly, either as an angel or as a devil or demon. Okay, either an angel or a devil. Okay, that, that's, that's your answers, one or the other. Okay, first picture is pretty easy. You guys are really smart. I've, I've, you know, I'm impressed. Okay, what about the next one? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, you guys are quick, quick, quick. Let's go to the third one. Angel. Angel, he looks pretty powerful. Yeah, I, I like the way he looks there. How about the next one? Ah, uh, not kind of, kind of bad looking there. Okay, next one. Angel. Okay, you guys are really catching on here. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to change the pattern here a little bit. Might throw things off a little bit. So, <laughs> now that's scary. That's what that is. Elton John is a devil. Okay, next one. Raphael's angels, okay. Cherubs, actually, I guess. I, I, all right. <laughs> angels or devils? Which which do we have? Okay, all right. Uh, depending on your point of view, depending on how your week has gone. Maybe we should ask the teachers among us. <laughs> Both, okay, all right. You got some of each, each class. Okay, next one? Angel. Probably an angel, okay. The last one? Huh, not as easy maybe to identify there. Okay, so we've uh, gone through our test. I guess you did fairly well. Our fall sermon series is about truths. We want to know what to believe. We want to know what is true, what will always be true. We call this absolute truth or unchanging truth, the truth that God put in place way back at the beginning. Remember, we talked about this last week, very beginning of creation, and when he made the world, made the universe, he said there are certain things that are true. They will always be true. They will not change. Man may change. Man's views may change. Man's opinions, man's intelligence, man's technology, all these things may change, but these things will always be true. What are these things? That's what we're trying to discover. Well, why is this important? Because truth can make a big difference. In fact, I'm not overstating anything when I say that knowing the truth can save your life. Can it? Can save the life of the people you know, the people you love. We can find truth almost anywhere, but it takes discernment and wisdom to know when you find it, what the real truth is. The best source of truth we have is God's Word, the Bible. The Bible is God's revealed truth, we call it. He, he gave us something we would not have had. He, he let us in. He revealed to us what we could not have discovered on our own. There is truth in the world. There are principles in the world that are true, but we would only figure those out by experience. God entered human history. He spoke. He wrote through a number of different people. He inspired them to put down these words on these pages so that we have revealed truth. In this series of messages in which we're asking what is the truth, we want to know what God's word says about various things, big things, big topics. And during the next couple of months, as we look at these big topics, we're going to find out how critical truth really is. I'm talking about topics like heaven and hell. 
pretty big topics. Or the topic of, of uh, the, the money, the, the physical world we live in, the material world. What is the truth about that? What is the truth of how we're supposed to live here? What is the truth about marriage? What is the truth about sexuality? Pretty big topics here. And the whole lineup of messages can be found at our church website, which is newhope316.org. Really easy to get to. You'll see a whole list there and also the scriptures that we'll be using this fall. By the way, on the first Sunday of October, just kind of tell you now, October 7th is Parental Advisory Day. <laughs> this is a day when you may not want to have your kids stay in here the whole time. Now, we're going to be discreet. We're going to be careful about how things are said that day, but we're going to be talking about sexuality. We're going to talk about some really big topics in our country today and in our world, and we're going to speak what God says about these topics, but it may not be the best message for your young child to be in. And so we're going to encourage you to send your children, all, all of them, over to Kids Church on that day. That's the first Sunday of October. Now, before we get to the other topics of this series, today what I wanted to do was, was talk about truth and where it is most challenged, most often challenged, and where it is hardest to come by. This morning we find it, the truth about the devil, who is kind of on the opposite end of things. You know, he's, he's trying to work against the truth. And he may carry a bunch of the truth, he may say a bunch of the truth, but not all the truth. And he uses the truth even against us if he can. So we want to we make sure that as we talk about the truth, and we've laid out that there is truth, there is absolute truth, now what about the enemy? What about the one called the devil? There are a lot of myths and misconceptions about him, many of which that we need to correct when we go to the Bible because there's a lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of legends, a lot of ideas. Well, what is the truth about Satan? Some of these common myths are what he looks like. You know, does he wear a red suit? Does he have horns on his head? Uh, does he carry a pitchfork in his hand and poke and prod us with it? Does he have fiery eyes, you know, and is he scary looking? Where does he live? Does he live in the pits of hell? Is he in charge of hell? That's one idea that's pretty, pretty uh, well known. Uh, is he all-powerful? Is he everywhere? You know, like God, he can go anywhere he wants to go. He can be everywhere at the same time. Is he all-knowing? These are attributes of God that are often ascribed to Satan, but he really doesn't have any of them. He does know a lot. And he knows what is going on in a lot of places, but both his knowledge and his power are limited. The devil has a lot to say about truth, but most of what he says is half-truths and lies. And what makes things interesting is that Satan claims that every word that comes out of his mouth is true. You know, he, he tries to pretend it's true, but you've got to be really careful when you listen to him talk. The ideas that we often have about the devil are not found in the Bible, found in the imaginations, rather, of men. So we're going to go back, we're going to look at one passage of Scripture in particular where Jesus speaks about the devil, and then we're also going to read one other passage later on uh, where Paul writes to Timothy. One day in his earthly ministry, Jesus was having a rather heated discussion with the scribes and Pharisees, the Jewish leaders. And John records this conversation for us in John chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, turn over to John 8. We're going to be reading there in just a few minutes. These Jewish leaders were upset with Jesus because he has, has said something to them that seems, uh, you know, they just can't swallow that. They can't agree with that. He's called them slaves. What he meant was, and what he, he later explains was, that they are slaves to sin. 
But when they heard him call them slaves, they immediately you know, got all, all bristled up you know, and, and mad about it. And they were offended. They said, you know, we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been a slave to anyone. And I think that's kind of funny because I remember a few times when they were. I remember back in Egypt, wasn't it? Wasn't it in Egypt where they spent about 400 years as slaves? And now they're saying to Jesus, we've never been a slave to anybody. And I remember the exile when they were carried off to Babylon and they spent 70 plus years there and they were, they were held captive by the Babylonians and then the Persians and the Medes. And, and this, this was slavery. They were not able to go back home until the, the Babylonians said, okay, now you can go home. So they've got short-term memory problems, I don't know, or long-term memory problems. I don't know what it is, but it's a memory loss. And this is the discussion. Anyway, their claim to be Abraham's descendants started the conversation down a certain path. Jesus said, okay, well, let's talk about that. You claim you're Abraham's descendants. And he basically said, well, I know that, but you're certainly not Abraham's children. There's a difference here. In other words, you are his descendants biologically, genetically, uh, ethnically, but you're certainly not acting like Abraham when it comes to your faith. Let's read in verse 39 of chapter 8. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. And they answered, we are not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. And then here's our text for today. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So here's this discussion going on. Here is Jesus' best, most complete description of Satan, the devil. He tells us three important things about Satan right here in this passage. First of all, he says, Satan is a murderer. He's a murderer. He kills people. He's been a murderer from the beginning. Now, wasn't he the one that went to Adam and Eve when they were eternal creatures in this eternal paradise, and he suckered them? He fooled them into eating of the tree that was prevented from them, prohibited from them, and they lost the Garden of Eden. They lost... This, this eternal existence here on earth is beautiful, wonderful life. They experienced eventually death. They experienced physical death. They also experienced a spiritual death as a result of their sin and, and uh, disobedience of God. Hasn't he, Satan, by influence and impact, caused millions and millions of deaths? He is a murderer. Jesus says, secondly, he's a liar. You can't believe him. Lying is his native tongue. <laughs> it 
It's not English. It's not Spanish. It's not Farsi. He loves to lie. He loves to tell half-truths. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. He's, he's the author of lies, the instigator of lies. Thirdly, he says, he is the sworn enemy of God and of God's people. He is bitterly opposed to God. He is bitterly opposed to good. He is bitterly opposed to heaven. And Jesus said that anyone who belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason the scribes and Pharisees could not accept what Jesus said was that they belonged to the other side, to the dark side. <laughs> they belonged to the evil side. Now, they believed that they were very religious people. They believed that they were in tune with God, but in fact, they had switched sides unknowingly. So to summarize, without taking a lot of time, what the Bible says about the devil, let me tell you a few other things. First of all, he's a thief. John 10.10 10 says, the thieves come to steal, to kill, and destroy. That is exactly why he's here. That's what he's trying to do. He's a thief. The Bible says he is a deceiver who uses disguises and aliases to trick us. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says that he masquerades as an angel of light. He wears a mask. He looks good. He looks like something that we would want to be with, somebody we would want to know, somebody we would want to be friends with. He's masquerading as an angel of light. But behind the mask is this very dark, sinister being. Thirdly, it says he's our number one enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says that he's a lion roaming the earth, seeking someone to devour. He's, he's out, out looking for his prey, out looking for his next victim. That is the reason he gets up in the morning and what he thinks about when he goes to bed at night. He is, number four, our accuser. He plays back to us our shame and, and our guilt, and he uses them against us any time he can. And he knows where we fail, he knows where weaknesses are, and he uses those against us. The word devil is used 33 times in the New Testament when it means the slanderer the accuser, the one who wants us to look bad, the one who uses our failures against us. Thankfully, the Bible also says one other great thing, and it says that he will be destroyed. He will not win. He is destined. He is doomed for destruction. He cannot win. Revelation 20.10 says that he will one day be thrown into a lake of burning sulfur where he will be burned, tormented, day and night, forever and ever, without relief. Now let me pause right here to say something that I want to say again later, but I want to make sure you get this today. The reason we know, need to know the truth, the reason we need to know nothing but the truth, is that our enemy, the devil, is trying his best to trip us up. That's his whole goal in life, that's his whole purpose in life, is to bring as many of us into hell with him as, we, as he possibly can. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. He is heartless. He is cruel. He is a murderer. So he doesn't care what his deceptions might cost us. He would like nothing better than to deceive us so that we sin against God because he wants to destroy us. He knows he's doomed. He just takes some kind of silly, uh, terrible satisfaction in dooming as many other people as he can along with him. He is a master deceiver. He is a master manipulator. He is a master pretender. But if we know the truth, if we know the truth, we stand a better chance overcoming his tactics and temptations. Truth is one of our best defenses. Truth is our best weapon. We are armed with the sword of the Spirit. This book, 
That's a weapon. And what is in this book but the truth? When Paul speaks of the armor, the spiritual armor that a Christian has in Ephesians 6, he says that we are to stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around our waist. And the reason we're going to spend these next couple of months discovering the truth is that we live in a world where it is very easy to be deceived. We live in a world where the absolute evil and wrong that, that maybe somebody else would have picked up on is portrayed and, and promoted as the truth. We know what's best for you. We know what you should do. We have the answers. And what is portrayed as true is actually a lie. In the strongest way possible today, I just want to encourage you to do everything you can as a believer to latch on to the truth because that's the only way you're going to stay on the path that God wants us to follow. Now, the world paints Satan as a red devil going around poking people with his pitchfork. The world says he's the guy in charge of hell, a place where he torments his captives night and day. And we have all these funny stories and all these sad things that we think of that might happen. We have Dante's Inferno and, you know, all the different things we've read through the years. The world gives him about the same powers that God has, powers equal or nearly equal to God's. But these are myths. These are misconceptions. Now, we don't know exactly what Satan looks like. The Bible doesn't. Give us a picture. Now, there are no pictures in this book. <laughs> but if the Bible gives a description at all, it describes Satan as beautiful, as attractive. He's handsome. Ezekiel says that when God created this angel, he was the model of perfection physically. He was the most beautiful of all creatures, Ezekiel 28 says. God created the angels before he created mankind, according to Job 38. He created two classes of angels, regular angels, common angels, and then the super angels, the archangels. There were three of these archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. They were his chief princes. But Lucifer was so consumed with pride, probably of his own attractiveness, his own beauty, that he decided that he wanted God's creatures to worship him, not God. And so he led a rebellion against God, and, and uh, he couldn't win that rebellion. And eventually Lucifer and about a third of those angels were thrown down to the earth. And there the devil, Satan, became not the ruler of hell, but the prince of this world. He's not in hell right now. He's not ruling hell. He's here in this world, and he's, he's the prince of this world. Lucifer's name was Shining One. You know, the beautiful one, the shining one, the, the best one. His name was changed to Satan, which means hater. Satan is a powerful being, but not nearly as powerful as God. Satan is not omniscient or all-knowing. He doesn't know everything, although he knows a lot. He has a lot of informers. He has a, a lot of, of his people scattered throughout the world who provide information. It must be a great communication network that's going on there, but he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know already except what can be observed, what they see. And let me give you a kind of a prayer secret today. If, if you're praying and you don't want Satan to know what you're praying, just pray silently. Because God is the only one that can hear your thoughts. We sometimes think Satan can hear your thoughts, but there's no evidence of that whatsoever. 
The only one who knows what you're thinking is God himself and you. Sometimes we don't know what we're thinking. But God always knows what we're thinking. And Satan cannot get inside your head. He can only observe you. He can only listen to you. We're one of his demons. So all he has to go on is whatever comes out of your mouth or whatever he sees you doing. And he's going to use that against you if he can. So one of the tips for prayer is this. Pray silently when you're really praying about spiritual warfare. You don't want to give your hand away to the enemy. You want to pray to God and ask for his strength and ask for his intervention, for him to deliver you. But don't give everything away to Satan by speaking it out loud. Say that kind of prayer very silently. He is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at the same time. He can only be one place at a time like we are. He is aware of many things going on in the world, but only because he has people or demons scattered around who provide information to him. So he's not like God. He's limited. He is a creature. He is limited to one place at one time. He is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. His power is maybe greater than ours, like an angel's would be, but he's not nearly as strong as Jesus. And since we have Jesus on our side, we can resist Satan any time we choose to. He can afflict God's people in various ways. There's some debate whether he can actually physically hurt somebody. He can influence things so that we might get hurt. But he can give us all kinds of trouble. But the Bible promises he cannot overcome us. He cannot separate us from God's love. So his power is limited no matter what someone else may tell you. And we might like to say, well, the devil made me do it. But the truth is, he can't make us do anything. All he can do is influence our actions and influence our, our choices. We make the choices. We are responsible for what we choose to do. Now, Satan is going to try his best to deceive us. But if we are armed with the truth, we can stand against his lies and not be duped by them. Satan throws his full arsenal of weapons against us to tempt us to sin against God, but the Bible says we can resist him. James 4, 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible knows uh, that his time is short. He knows his time is short. And he keeps striving you know, in these battles to win battle by battle. But in the end, he's going to be defeated. He can't win. Back at the beginning, when Satan and the uh, de uh, angels, demons, were cast out of heaven, once he lost his bid for God's throne, he started pouring all of his energy into opposing what God was doing on earth, especially to oppose God's redemptive work through Christ. Way back with Adam and Eve, remember when, when they were caught in their sin and they were cast out of the garden and Satan uh, received a curse from God. He said that there would be enmity between her seed, mankind, and, and Satan. That there would always be this, this war between him and God. And, and that, that God would be striking the serpent. Uh, and the, the serpent would be biting back at the heel. There's that kind of imagery there. And there's been this battle all the way through. He holds most of the world in his control today. Most of the world is captive. Most people don't even know that. They're just living their lives. They're just doing the best they can. They're following you know, whatever they believe, whatever they think is right. They're, maybe some people are good. Maybe they're, they're trying to be good moral people. Maybe they're trying to obey the laws of the land, be good citizens, and so on. But because they don't know God, and they don't know the truth of God, because they do not know Christ did not put their faith in him. They are under Satan's control. He is the prince of this world. Even many religious people 
people that are, are not followers of Christ, people who sincerely believe that they are showing faith in God somehow, are being misled. They are religiously following false religions, hoping to gain heaven someday. And what a shock they must receive when they die and they realize they lived for a lie. They denied themselves all kinds of things for a lie. They followed religious routines and rituals and rules for their whole life for a lie. And that is how clever Satan is. John's Revelation, the last book of the Bible, tells us that someday God will give the devil a short span of time where he will be able to deceive the whole world in, in a greater way and lead as many people in destruction as he possibly can. Satan, at that time, according to Revelation, will put forth this massive lie. He will introduce the Antichrist into the world. Many people will be deceived. But in the end, it says, Jesus will defeat him and throw him into the lake of fire for all eternity. Well, now that we know the truth, what do we do? What can we do? I want to give you three things of encouragement before we dismiss this time, just stop this time. Let me give you three words of encouragement. First of all, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You have to arm yourself with the truth, but then you will know what is falsehood. You will know what lies are. Don't buy the lies. Don't buy the junk that the devil is selling. Don't listen to him. Don't be attracted to the temptations that he puts before you. Learn to recognize what is false, what is counterfeit. Even if Satan gives you maybe 80 or 90% truth in what he's telling you, whatever message he's giving you, hold out until you know what the whole truth is. What is the rest of the story? What are you not telling me? What am I missing here? What does God's word say about this message I'm hearing or reading? He will tell you things, all kinds of lies. He will say, you know, you can cheat just a little bit here. And if you will, you'll gain the upper hand. You'll gain the advantage over your competitor. You'll be happier if you just had a bigger house. You'll be happier if you just had a fancier car. You'll be happier if you have a different spouse. No one will know if you do what I want you to do. Uh, no one will know. Nobody will be the wiser. You'll get away with it. It's not going to hurt anyone if you just have a little fun. You know, the, the, the message can go a thousand different directions, but the lie is out there that said, this is the promise, this is what guarantee, this is what I say will happen, and it's a lie. Do not be deceived. Don't believe him. Secondly, ask God for wisdom and discernment. You're not going to be able to do this battle on your own. As a Christian, uh, Jesus has said God's spirit is within you. And he said that the spirit would lead his followers into all truth. And, and that's something we've got to count on, something we've got to pray for, something we've got to ask for. Ask God uh, that, that he would, would reveal the truth to you day by day. Read and study and meditate upon this word. And, you know, if this word is not getting into your life, you are, you are weaponless. You're going out to a battle every day and you're leaving your sword at home. Now, you, you could leave your Bible at home, but make sure what's in this book is in you. So that when the deception comes, when the lie comes, you've got a way to say, I, I see what that is. I'm over here. I'm not, I don't have anything to do with that. You resist the devil and he'll run away, James 4, 7 says. Trust God to show you the way. Ask for discernment as you make your choices and decisions. First John 
3 says this. The Apostle John said this. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. And this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. That brings us to the third thing we must do. Love and obey God alone. No one else. Love and obey God. Hold on to God. Hold on to Jesus. Serve him only. Believe in him only. Trust him only. John says we can know who the children of God are by their behavior. We see that they're doing the right thing. They're no longer living in sin, no longer following sin, continuing in sin. They may slip up, they may sin occasionally, but it is not the pattern or lifestyle that they live by. They live for God. And they also love their brother. And so we can look at people, we can decide, is that a child of God or not? Or is that a child of the devil? Do you belong to God? Do you belong to the devil? We can see that. And in the same way, people can look at us. And you can bet there are people watching you. It may be your children, it may be your parents, it may be your brother or sister, it may be your co-worker, it may be your neighbor, maybe the guy that you play ball with. They're watching your life and they're evaluating, is this a child of God like he or she claims to be or not? And you can have influence and power in their life as you live for God. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. So this is, this is important stuff. This is big stuff. This is, this is the difference between life and death, between heaven and hell. Henry Blackaby said, the world considers truth optional. <laughs> optional. Eh, take it or leave it. Deception, he says, permeates every corner of society because the prince of this world is the author and father of lies. From his first contact with people, Satan has been lying to them, persuading them to live in falsehood rather than in truth. He goes on, he says, the world will tempt you to compromise the truth. You may be fooled into thinking that you can accomplish greater good by withholding the truth. That is a demonic deception. You cannot use deception to build the kingdom of God. You may be tempted to live a lie by projecting a false image of yourself. And when you sin, you will be tempted to conceal the truth. And yet, only as you confess the truth will you be forgiven and set free. Bring it out into the light. Bring it out into the truth. Let me encourage you. Do not be deceived. Remember that your enemy is out to trick you. He is out to destroy you. Ask God for wisdom, for discernment. Ask God to give you greater discernment as you go through the day because you're going to have all kinds of messages, all kinds of choices, all kinds of decisions to be made. Are you a discerning person? Is that based on the truth that you found in God's Word, that you studied and memorized and meditated upon so it's in there and, and can be used so that the Word of God can be your sword? 
and determine that you will love God only, that you will obey God only. Don't live for yourself. Don't live for pleasure. Live for God. You'll have more pleasure than you ever dreamed was possible if you do that. You'll have a better life than you could ever have had. Satan's lie is, if you follow him, you'll be better off. But what will happen is that you'll be destroyed. Now next week, our topic is the truth about the Bible. Jesus prayed the night that he was betrayed that we would be sanctified through God's truth. In John 17, 17, easy to remember, he says what the truth is. He says, thy word is truth. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Glad that you're here today. I pray that God will use this message and that we'll be better equipped as we go into this week. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. Um, I, I can't, or nor can anyone else, say enough about it. You have revealed to us what we could not have known, except that you loved us enough to reveal it. You revealed us not only uh, this, this word that's pages of words, of ink on paper, but you gave us your son, Jesus, who is the living word. And you have made the difference. You have changed our lives because you came and because you gave. Uh, we have a lot of decisions, a lot of choices that we make. A lot of messages are bombarding us every day. And I pray that you would help us to sort it all out by your truth, by your word. Uh, bless us today and uh, throughout this week that we may honor you, obey you, love you uh, by the way that we live. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue praying as we sing a song together today um, where we talk about make my heart your home. And we're praying to God that he would do that. So would you continue in a kind of an attitude of prayer as we sing this song together. Please.